You are Locked On Dolphins, your daily podcast on the Miami Dolphins, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Dolphins, and welcome into the game day, Monday, November the 13th edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and I'm here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, we get you guys primed for the Monday night football showdown as the Dolphins travel to Carolina for a pivotal primetime showdown on Monday night. Injury updates and final thoughts on that game. Also, we spin it around the AFC and look at the impact of Sunday's action on the Dolphins' playoff positioning. And lastly, we look into a few college prospects from over the weekend that I watched and which of them might be good fits with the Dolphins for this upcoming 2018 NFL Draft. But first, I want to tell you guys about ProFootballFocus.com. As you guys know by now, we have awarded two free ProFootballFocus.com Edge subscriptions of $40 value. And the way you can get yourself into that drawing is to go ahead and leave your Twitter handle in a review on the podcast on Apple Podcasts. For your chance to win a free ProFootballFocus.com Edge subscription, the premier website when it comes to player grades, snap counts, and positional rankings if you guys watched the games on Sunday night. If you guys watched the Patriots and Broncos game last night, you saw the positional ranks below each player when they announced the starting lineups. That is ProFootballFocus.com giving you that. And for you fantasy guys, they have fantasy rankings, tools, and charts. And of course, for the college, they have all the premier college stats and player pages featuring NFL draft prospects as well. And of course, for the player individual pages, go ahead and check out ProFootballFocus and the Miami Dolphins and follow the Twitter handle at PFF underscore Miami for all the best stats and alerts from ProFootballFocus.com for the Miami Dolphins and ProFootballFocus.com. Enter for your chance to win today. All right, let's go ahead and get into this Dolphins game as the Dolphins take on the Panthers on Monday night later this evening for a chance to get to the 5-4 and four and above 500 and get themselves back into the playoff hunt. There are six Miami Dolphins listed as questionable in this game. Jakeem Grant, Mike Hole, Ted Larson, Bobby McCain, and Damian Williams all listed as questionable. You got to figure most of those guys are going to go ahead and go. Quarterback Jay Cutler, defensive end Will Hayes, center Mike Pouncey, and defensive tackle and Dominic and Sue were on the injury report, but their game status will be listed as available for the game on Monday night. So it looks like the Dolphins are going to have most of their guys out there. Of course, right tackle Jawan James placed on injury reserve. He will not be there for this game, nor for the remainder of the 2017 season. So look forward to seeing Jawan James back next year, figuring out how that contract will work out. So the Dolphins pretty much healthy coming into the game. As for the Panthers, center Ryan Khalil ruled out for a neck injury. So a big loss for the Panthers there. He was the only player to receive a game status designation, being every other player on the injury report will be available this week. So only Ryan Khalil on the injury report for the Panthers. So two teams pretty healthy coming into this game. Dolphins are going to be 10 point dogs on the road on primetime Monday night, like I mentioned. But I don't know that that necessarily is a fitting spread because it seems like these are the kind of games where the Panthers could possibly be overlooking the Dolphins. The Dolphins are coming in needing a win, coming off of a rough loss last last week, easy for me to say. And really a long 14-day period or so for the Dolphins. They lost the Ravens, then of course the Raiders on primetime, both games. And now they have a chance to get themselves right back into the hunt with AFC struggling the way it is. So the Dolphins come into this game with the... Buccaneers on a short week next week on schedule. So the Dolphins are really geared up and primed for this game. They have to be focusing on this one 100%. But the same could really be said for the Panthers. They have the Jets next week before a tilt with the Saints in New Orleans for a big NFC South showdown. So both teams are going to be focused on this game. I, You know, the Dolphins, I mentioned it on the, on the preview podcast on Thursday. I think this is a decent matchup for them in terms of their defense against the Panthers offense. I think the other side of the ball is going to be tricky as well. It should be a low-scoring game, but every time we say that, it ends up not being the case. So who knows what's going to happen. I'll, I'll stick to my 19-13 to 13 prediction for the Panthers to win. So Dolphins cover the spread, but the Panthers do win the game. Dolphins fall to 4-5. and five. But if they are to win and get to 5-4, and four, the AFC playoff race is, is looking really bleak. And what I mean by that, 
that is a lot of teams are not playing very good football. There's kind of a couple of teams at the top of the conference, the Patriots, Steelers, as well as the Chiefs. Then there's a big slop heap of really average to below average football teams. And then, of course, there's a few teams lacking even further behind that. But the Dolphins, if they get to 5-4, and four, will stake their claim for the seventh seed in the AFC just behind the Buffalo Bills and trailing them only by a half game in the conference standings in terms of more AFC wins. So the Dolphins will be right there in the mix of things if they can get this win over the Panthers. And then next week, of course, the makeup game for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers should have been opening today. I'm kind of glad that it's this time now because the Dolphins will get Ryan Fitzpatrick instead of Jameis Winston. And I even bet on the Panthers today, or excuse me, on the Buccaneers today to beat the Jets. They were getting one point at home against a bad Jets team, and I took them and bet on them, and I won the bet, but it was an ugly, ugly football game. I watched almost the entire thing. Their offense could not do anything. Tons and tons of three and outs. Their defense, not very special either. The Jets just made a bunch of mistakes. So if the Dolphins are to find a way to win this game against the Panthers on Monday night, it sets up nicely for them to get to 6-4 and four before that big matchup in New England, which we know that's probably going to be tricky. And then you get the, Bron- the Broncos at home. So I think this kind of is the hinge game for the Dolphins in terms of where they go for the playoff chase because if they beat the Panthers, I think there's a good chance to beat the Buccaneers, get to 6-4, and four, probably lose New England on the road in New England, and then maybe beat Denver to get back to 7-5. and five. So if they can win this Panthers game, it's really going to make a difference in their December stretch run and kind of change how we view things. So a big opportunity for the Dolphins to get that win. And if you look at the rest of the contest on Sunday across the AFC, it really went the Dolphins' favor again, their, their way again. I, I post on Twitter that the Dolphins had a chance to get themselves into the 60. I actually was wrong about that because the Bills have the conference tiebreaker but for the past three weeks the Dolphins losses and and coming into this game even this this week everyone in the AFC is playing ball in terms of helping the Dolphins stay in this AFC playoff race and even at four and four they're right in the thick of things you look at the Buffalo Bills and they just are kind of a shell of themselves when they were earlier in the season they have a hard time finishing out season starting off strong and then and sputtering out towards the end so they're looking pretty bad right now it got waxed by the Saints on Sunday then the Denver Broncos of course I'm recording this podcast at halftime of the game on Sunday night they're getting beat pretty bad by the Patriots they're, I don't expect them to be in the mix at all they are at three and six currently the Bills at five and four the, probably the biggest challenger for that sixth seed the Chargers fall to three and six with a bad loss to the Jaguars today so they probably take a back seat with the Dolphins having that head-to-head win over them as well then the Raiders of course they become a team you have to kind of keep an eye on because of the head-to-head win over the Dolphins. They are at four and five, so we'll be just a game out of the, of the Dolphins, or behind the Dolphins, I should say, if the Dolphins are to find a way to win on Monday night. The Ravens, of course, at four and five, also have a head-to-head tiebreaker. So those are the two teams you kind of want to root for, or root against, I should say. And the Cincinnati Bengals are the team I wrote down, even though they don't really figure into the mix either. They are at three and six, and they don't look very good either. So the Titans and Jaguars, you got to figure one of them wins the AFC South. One of them takes the five seed or maybe even the six seed, depending on how things play out. But the way it opens up for the Dolphins is the Bills, Broncos, Chargers, Raiders, Ravens, and Bengals, and then possibly the Texans. But with Tom Savage and the way that team looks right now, I don't I don't even feel like the need to write them down. So someone's going to get into the AFC playoffs at 9-7 and seven or 8-8. Eight and eight. I know that that's not what the Dolphins' ultimate goal is. I know that we as fans, we saw the playoffs last year. We saw them get waxed against the Steelers and distinguished in the first round of the playoffs. Not what they want to see. But getting back to the playoffs for two straight years is something the Dolphins haven't done in almost 20 years. So I'm not going to complain if that's the case with the backup quarterback, all the things that have gone against them. We, we've talked about it a million times. Some people say it's an excuse. Some people actually believe it's a, a real thing. And I, I do believe that it's a little bit in between where it can be used as an excuse. But also, it is real, and it is a real thing. So Dolphins have a fantastic opportunity, opportunity tonight to jump into the driver's seat for that AFC playoff position. There's still two more games against the Bills coming up, a game against the Broncos. And they have a good chance to really beat some teams that they need to climb over or at least put down further in the standings. So they have every opportunity right in front of them. If they win this game, it's really going to change the season. And I think that's 
it's pretty much a must-win game, and uh, they can really put themselves in the cat for a seat. All right, this is the Lockdown Dolphins podcast. Travis Wingfield, your host, at Wingfield NFL on Twitter, at Lockdown Fence for the show. I actually just got featured on another piece by Joe Shad on the Palm Beach Post, a Miami Dolphins beat writer. You can go ahead and check him out on the Palm Beach Post. Also check out my writing on LockdownDolphins.com, as well as Adam Bacaro, Kevin Dern, and Mike Jastrzebski, all of us writing content on LockdownDolphins.com. Like I said, this is the Lockdown Dolphins podcast. Your host, Travis Wingfield. All right, this next segment, guys, here on the Lockdown Dolphins podcast is something that I kind of thought about over the weekend. I've watched a lot of college football this year, as I told you guys over the course of the podcast as well on Twitter, that I like to bet on college football quite a bit, and I watch games all day, every day, Saturday. It's my absolute pastime. I love it. I do the same thing on Sundays. The girlfriend knows right now that I am not available most weekends until the evenings, and something I've been kind of keeping an eye on some players the Dolphins might focus in on. I almost had a guest come on the show to talk about this because he's a little more inclined towards the draft this time of year than I am. I usually wait until the end of the season to, to start diving in deeper, but I wrote some guys' names down, some certain positions I think could be of interest to the Dolphins. And like, I, I, I want to just make this abundantly clear that this is in no way, shape or form inside information. This is no way, shape or form my final verdict or results or anything. Just some names that I wrote down. So if I miss some guys that you think I should have put on here, let me know. And I will go ahead and take a look at them. But these are the guys that I wrote down over the weekend. I looked at quarterbacks because this is something we talked about on Twitter a little bit. If you if you exchange with me on Twitter and interact with me on Twitter, we talked about this today. And there's some quarterbacks in this class that you just have you can't ignore them because there's so many of them and they offer different traits and there's so many good players that I think that if you're looking for a quarterback this offseason, this is a great place to be in the draft and or a great spot to find them is in this draft, I should say. And the guys that I wrote down are the four top quarterbacks for me going into the draft. And in order, they are going to be Lamar Jackson, number one. I know that's a big surprise for a lot of people. Baker Mayfield, I think, is number two. Josh Allen's number three. And Josh Rosen, number four for me. That's going to be probably the list of almost no one else in terms of their draft analysis. But Baker Mayfield, the playmaking ability, the ability to ex- escape and move and, and make things ha- happen off script. He's incredibly accurate. He's incredibly smart. Post-snap reads are fantastic. He anticipates the game happening in front of him very well. He's just a heck of a football player. And I don't care about the size. I think he is terrific in everything he does. And I think he should absolutely be one of the first players off the board. Lamar Jackson in that same vein for me. He's very thin and slight, but I don't really care because he's so shifty and so fast and hard to hit. That I don't think it's going to really impact him that much. I don't think he's a fit for Adam Gaze's offense. I don't think that he's going to be someone that they look at because Adam Gaze wants more of a true drop back passer that can beat you from the pocket and then extend plays from there. And Jackson can do that, but his running ability is something that Gaze doesn't really necessarily fancy himself towards. Josh Allen, I think, is a Ryan Tannehill clone in the sense of the raw ability. He has so many great raw traits. That's what Ryan Tannehill was so attractive, or what was so attractive about Ryan Tannehill out of the draft was he was a supreme athlete, you know, a big arm kid, tall kid, strong kid, tough, durable, all these you know superlatives you can mention about the guy. Josh Allen had a really bad year so far in terms of stats and a really bad Wyoming team. My advice to him would be to go ahead and do a graduate transfer and come back, but I don't think he's going to do that, or at a different school, I don't think he's going to do that. He's probably going to come out and go to the NFL, and someone will take a first-round flyer on him, and that's that's a guy that I really want to keep an eye on. Is a guy that the Dolphins could possibly draft in that middle of the first round and then sit him behind Tannehill for two, maybe even three years, and then, like I said on Twitter, the worst-case scenario for that is Ryan Tannehill balls out, and then you got to trade Josh Allen for a first-round pick three years down the line, so you're just investing in the future for that. Of course, Tannehill could bomb out. Allen Gabama, that's the worst case scenario, but I don't think that would happen. And then, of course, Josh Rosen is a really Adam Gase type and looking guy, type of looking guy. He's a traditional drop back passer, big arm, can squeeze tight windows, all that good stuff that Adam Gaze appreciates in a quarterback. So those are the four guys I wrote down. Running backs is a much more viable option for this team. I think it's going to be something to look at in the mid-round, not the first round, simply because 
the value is just not there. The team's not going to value the running backs at that level. But three guys I wrote down before we take another break here real quick is Rodney Anderson from Oklahoma, a dynamic dual threat running back and do it all pass protection in the running game, as well as a pass receiver. And then speaking of pass protection, Ronald Jones from USC is fantastic in that aspect. He has breakaway speed, that thick trunk, that big bubble butt that you'd like in a running back. And then Sonny Michael from Georgia, another kid that can really take it to the next level and, and make guys pay in the secondary for trying to tackle him. So those three running backs, Georgia, USC, and Oklahoma, Anderson, Jones, and Michael, three guys that I love. We'll get to some more players here, some different positions, but first, this is Lockdown Dolphins Podcast. Please subscribe and review and rate this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, tuned in wherever you get your podcast from. Travis Wingfield, at Wingfield NFL, at Lockdown Fins. Okay, the next position I want to look at here on the Lockdown Dolphins podcast for the potential draft prospects for the Miami Dolphins is tight ends. And the first guy I wrote down is Mark Andrews from Oklahoma. I have been beating this drum for a long time that the Dolphins really need to look at a dual threat tight end, a guy that can inline block as well as stretch the seam and get downfield in the passing game. And that guy can do every bit of that. He really brings it all in terms of the run and the passing game. Of course, another tight end for you guys, Troy Fumagalli from Wisconsin. The guy has only four fingers on his right hand. So that's kind of a bit of a problem. He lost his index finger in an accident. But he can do a little bit of blocking and pass receiving as well. Mike Gusecki, the Penn State tight end, I'm not too sure about him because he's more of a seam buster, a down a down the line kind of guy. Doesn't really do a lot of inline blocking, so I don't think he really fits as well. But a small school product I want to talk to you guys about real quick is a tight end from South Dakota, Dallas Godert. He was on the Move the Sticks podcast with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks, a great podcast for you draft nuts out there. And he talked about kind of his upbringing and where he came from, and just a really bright kid, a really smart kid, and and well spoken. So I was a really, really big fan of his in that podcast. And you guys, of course, probably expect me to talk about the offensive line, but I just don't really have anybody written down yet. I'll look more into that in the offseason. I don't want to give you guys false information on that because I haven't studied it enough to speak about it. On the defensive side of the football, if you follow me on Twitter, at Wingfield NFL, you know I've been talking about Bradley Chubb from North Carolina State at length about how great an edge rusher he is. He's not going to be there when the Dolphins pick. He might be a top five, top three pick type of guy. If it wasn't for the quarterbacks, he'd be the first pick in the draft, in my opinion. And then Harold Landry from Boston College kind of had a down year this year after like 15, 16 sacks last year with the Golden Eagles. Now they're having a great year. He's kind of having a down year in terms of stats. He didn't play on Saturday against the... NC State Wolfpack. I forgot who I was talking about there for a second, but I like him in the middle of that first round as well. Linebackers, some guys I wrote down that I watched over the weekend, or one guy that I didn't watch was Rashawn Evans from Alabama, but his loss and his impact on not being on the field for the Crimson Tide was definitely felt. He's an athletic guy that can go sideline to sideline. Cam Smith from USC, same type of story. And then from the University of Washington, kind of undersized, but he could feel kind of one of those jack rolls where he can kind of move around and, and do different things for you, line up down around the line of scrimmage and rush the passer as well is... Keyshawn Biera, he is a, a dynamo all over the field, making plays in the backfield as well as down the field in pass coverage. So keep it on him. And then, of course, in the back end, I only wrote down one guy just because he made some fantastic plays the last two weeks for the University of Iowa. He had three picks against the Ohio State Buckeyes, and then he had two pick sixes against the Wisconsin Badgers last week or on Saturday, I should say. That is Josh Jackson. He fits the prototype in terms of length. He is 6'1", but he's only 190. He needs to put some more weight on. But he could be a guy the Dolphins target is if uh, Xavier Howard doesn't really, you know, if he continues to struggle and Tony Lippett can't get back. So some names for you guys there to play with. I'll have a lot more for you going forward in the podcast. That's going to do it for today's podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast. Leave us a rating review. Check out the other Locked On Sports podcast for all your local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Follow me on Twitter at Wingfield NFL. Check out LockedOnDolphins.com. Be back tomorrow with a game recap edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast, your daily dose for Miami Dolphins football.